Surgical Smoke, Putting the Pieces Together to Become Smoke-Free, by Kim York and Mandy Autry. Abstract. Surgical smoke is generated when tissue vaporizes from the use of various energy-generating devices, for example, electrosurgery units, lasers. Surgical smoke contains toxic gases and vapors that can be hazardous to patients and perioperative staff members. In addition to ocular and upper respiratory tract irritation, surgical smoke can have mutagenic potential. Although many regulatory agencies agree that surgical smoke is dangerous, they have been slow to commit to a firm standard to address the inhalation hazards related to surgical smoke. With clear evidence supporting the need to filter surgical smoke, perioperative nurses and surgical technologists at our facility implemented a plan to protect patients and staff members. The plan included identifying and evaluating in-house equipment and the perceived barriers to becoming smoke-free. Perioperative personnel tested multiple smoke-evacuating products to determine which best met the needs of our staff members and facility, and our ORs are now smoke-free. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, has published standards and resources that are designed to protect welders from the hazardous fumes and gases produced during welding. However, OSHA does not have specific standards to protect the estimated 500,000 healthcare workers in the United States who are exposed to hazardous fumes, gases, bacteria, and viruses contained in surgical smoke. Although governing bodies continue to use terms such as recommend, encourage, suggest, and should avoid, when referring to the hazards of surgical smoke, the contents of surgical smoke are as measurable as the contents of cigarette smoke and air pollution. Considering this measurable data, it is just and right that regulatory bodies should implement specific standards to protect all perioperative personnel and patients exposed to surgical smoke during surgery. Electrosurgical units, powered instruments, ultrasonic devices, and lasers generate surgical smoke plume when used on human tissue. Surgeons use these tools every day in ORs worldwide. When used on human tissue, these devices raise intracellular temperatures above 100 degrees Celsius, 212 degrees Fahrenheit, which causes the tissue to vaporize and generate surgical smoke. This smoke is not suitable for humans to breathe. The identified chemical contents of surgical smoke include volatile organic compounds, polycyclic aromatic compounds, aldehydes, cresols, phenol, hydrogen cyanide, and carbon monoxide. Volatile organic compounds, for example, benzene, toluene, chloroform, can be carcinogenic to humans. Additional negative health effects of surgical smoke include acute and chronic respiratory changes, for example, emphysema, asthma, chronic bronchitis, anemia, anxiety, carcinoma, cardiovascular dysfunction, colic, dermatitis, dizziness or lightheadedness, eye irritation, headache, hepatitis, HIV, hypoxia, lacrimation, leukemia, nasal pharyngeal lesions, nausea or vomiting, sneezing, and weakness. In a 2014 study of surgical smoke released during mastectomy procedures, Sang and others 
collected air samples from the breathing zones of the surgeon and anesthesia care provider at five-minute intervals. They found most of the airborne particles to be 0.3 micrometer in size, which may threaten the health of surgical personnel if inhaled. They also discovered that the downward flow of air, that is, positive pressure, from the OR ceiling, distributed the smoke into the surrounding environment, simultaneously exposing all personnel in the room to surgical smoke. For the surgeon and the anesthesia care provider, the particle and gaseous polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbon, PAH, concentrations increased 40 to 100 times above the initial baseline measurements, with the surgeon exposed to the highest level of PAHs, approximately 1.5 times higher than the level to which the anesthesia care provider was exposed. The researchers noted that working longer hours in the OR increased the risk of exposure to PAHs for perioperative professionals and concluded that submicron particles in surgical smoke contained carcinogenic chemicals and could threaten the health of the OR team if particles from the surgical smoke were inhaled. Polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons are a class of chemicals that occur naturally in coal, crude oil, and gasoline. They are also produced when coal, oil, gasoline, wood, garbage, and tobacco are burned. Cigarette smoke contains many PAHs. Some people who have inhaled or touched mixtures of PAHs and other chemicals for extended periods have developed cancer. Some PAHs have caused cancer in laboratory animals when the animals breathed air containing PAHs, causing lung cancer, ingested PAHs in food, causing stomach cancer, or had PAHs applied to their skin, causing skin cancer. Misconceptions about smoke evacuation In the past, perioperative personnel may have assumed that meeting the standards associated with the OR ventilation or air exchanges was enough to prevent healthcare workers from surgical smoke in the OR. Various international scientific organizations recommend a minimum of 15 air exchanges per hour. Specifically, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Guidelines for Environmental Infection Control in Healthcare Facilities recommends a minimum of approximately 15 exchanges of filtered air per hour, three 20% of which must be fresh air. The American National Standards Institute, the American Society of Heating, Refrigerating, and Air Conditioning Engineers, and the American Society for Healthcare Engineering, Standard 170, recommend a minimum of 20 total air exchanges per hour and a minimum of four exchanges of outdoor air per hour in ORs. Meeting the minimum total air exchanges per hour is vital for maintaining an OR environment with high air quality and is a key component in reducing the risk of surgical side infections for the patient by reducing airborne organisms attached to dust, skin, and lint. However, removal of smoke from the operative site by ventilation alone is inadequate. Most ORs are equipped with vacuum fluid suction systems, that is, wall suction. In the past, perioperative personnel may have assumed that using suction tips connected to vacuum lines was adequate for removing surgical smoke. This type of vacuum suction is specifically designed to remove bodily fluids from the surgical site and deposit those fluids into canisters. Historically, perioperative personnel have used these fluid suction devices in an attempt to remove offensive smoke plume. 
although effective at removing blood and fluids, this type of suction alone does not filter the hazardous components of surgical smoke. As a possible solution, personnel may place an inline filter between the wall section and the fluid canister to provide smoke evacuation for small amounts of surgical smoke. However, use of a suction tip connected to wall suction may be ineffective for several reasons. The capturing device or suction tip is designed for fluids. Using a suction tip may obstruct the surgeon's view, and the suction tip may not always be near the source of the surgical smoke. Suction tips can become clogged with fluid and tissue, rendering them ineffective for capturing fluid or smoke. In addition, the low flow rate of wall suction limits its efficacy at evacuating smoke. Typical wall suction generates 2 cubic feet per minute of airflow. A typical smoke evacuator moves air at a flow rate of 35 to 50 cubic feet per minute. Inline filters also must be changed according to the manufacturer's instructions for use. Healthcare workers wear surgical masks during all procedures. Surgical face masks protect OR personnel by providing a physical barrier to infectious bodily fluid splashes from the patient. The literature suggests that surgical masks do not provide adequate respiratory protection against small airborne particles. However, personnel may use a fit-tested N95 respirator as secondary protection against inhaling surgical smoke. Smoke Evacuation Practices Surgeons have used standard electrosurgical pencils for open surgical procedures for many years. However, these pencils are not designed to connect to a filtering system. In contrast, smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencils remove the hazardous smoke at the point of use and deliver the hazardous smoke to a filter that is designed to remove surgical smoke, preventing the smoke from escaping into the room. Many smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencils on the market mimic standard pencils. All of the smoke-evacuating pencils have cut and coagulation functions, evacuate surgical smoke at the point of contact with tissue, and are designed to connect to some type of filter. Nearly all of the filters used to evacuate surgical smoke are marketed as either high-efficiency particulate air filters or ultra-low particulate air, ULPA filters. According to the AORN, Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety, perioperative personnel should use a smoke evacuator equipped with a 0.1 micrometer filter, for example, a ULPA filter. Surgical smoke is also produced during laparoscopic surgeries. Smoke produced during laparoscopic surgery accumulates and is trapped inside the patient's abdominal cavity until it is released by opening a port valve or by using wall suction to remove it. Patient risks of surgical smoke exposure during laparoscopic surgery include reduced visibility of the surgical site, absorption of smoke byproducts, for example, benzene, carboxyhemoglobinemia, and port site metastasis. To protect patients and OR personnel from these risks, it is recommended that a smoke filtration device be attached to a trocar valve. Laparoscopic smoke evacuation filters remove the smoke from the patient's abdomen, so there is no need to release or open the trocar valves. There are several types of laparoscopic filters available. To remove smoke effectively, personnel should attach the filters to the ports on the laparoscopic trocar with the widest lumen. 
The use of lasers on human tissue also produces surgical smoke. Human papillomavirus has been detected in surgical smoke generated by lasers and electrosurgery units during the treatment of genital infections, Veruca, laryngeal papillomavirus, and bovine papillomavirus, induced cutaneous fibropapillomas. Cases of transmission of viruses from patients to healthcare workers after laser use may have been the catalyst for creating a culture of evacuating laser smoke. Compliance with smoke evacuation practices has been reported to be greater with the use of lasers than with the use of electrosurgery. It is arguable that the adoption of smoke evacuators for electrosurgical units has lagged behind that of smoke evacuators for lasers. To assist perioperative professionals in developing effective smoke evacuation practices, AORN has developed smoke evacuation guidelines. Some key takeaways from the Guideline for Surgical Smoke Safety include that the perioperative team members should recognize that surgical smoke can be harmful to anyone in the OR, expect the healthcare organization to provide a surgical smoke-free work environment, evacuate all surgical smoke and be educated in smoke safety, and develop policies to outline the procedures for evacuating smoke. Under OSHA's Occupational Safety and Health Act of 1970, employers are responsible for providing a safe and healthful workplace. Although surgical smoke evacuation is not a regulatory requirement, recommendations for smoke evacuation in the OR do exist, and employers should implement these recommendations to create a safe work environment. Recommendations from the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health include Using portable smoke evacuators and room suction systems with inline filters. Keeping the smoke evacuator or room suction hose nozzle inlet within two inches of the surgical site to capture airborne contaminants effectively. Having a smoke evacuator available for every OR in which plume is generated. Evacuating all smoke, no matter how much is generated. Keeping the smoke evacuator activated at all times when airborne particles are produced during all operative or other invasive procedures. Considering all tubing, filters, and absorbers as infectious waste and disposing of them appropriately according to standard precautions as required by the OSHA blood pathogen standard. Preparing new tubing before each procedure and replacing the smoke evacuator filter as recommended by the manufacturer. And inspecting smoke evacuator systems regularly to ensure proper functioning. The benefits of smoke evacuation are clear. Smoke evacuation creates a safe and healthy environment for the healthcare workers who devote their lives to caring for others and for the patients receiving care. Improving the air quality in the OR is an attainable goal. Smoke evacuation filters that are designed to remove surgical smoke effectively and electrosurgical pencils that are designed to remove surgical smoke at the source, combined with room ventilation with proper air exchanges, are practices that can create a safe and healthy environment for healthcare workers. Becoming smoke-free. Our small hospital houses three ORs. Surgeons use an electrosurgical unit or a laser in approximately 80 procedures per month at our facility. During a typical surgical procedure at our facility, there are as few as five staff members 
to as many as eight or more staff members breathing surgical smoke. Before choosing to become smoke-free, nurses, surgeons, surgical technologists, certified nurse anesthetists, product representatives, and patients at our facility were exposed to surgical smoke every day. A barrage of literature about the dangers of surgical smoke led to a discussion between the OR manager, the RN circulators, and the surgical technologists at our facility about the hazards of surgical smoke. This discussion created a desire to achieve smoke-free ORs. Despite the evidence supporting the need to become smoke-free, our expectation was that becoming smoke-free would be challenging to achieve. Our early goal was to identify all procedures that generated smoke plume and devise a plan to evacuate smoke during these procedures. The early consensus was that surgeons would not be amenable to changes. We were aware that three or four surgeons had trialed an early model of a smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencil many years earlier. However, it was not well-received and was eventually discarded. The discussion quickly turned into a commitment to devising a plan that would help us achieve surgical smoke-free ORs at our facility. We began by identifying our existing resources. This included two waste management containment systems with accompanying empty slots for smoke evacuation filters, one portable smoke evacuator, which was used only for laser procedures, and ORs with 30 documented hourly air exchanges. Two out of three ORs house ceiling booms with vacuum suction without inline filters. One room was equipped with only inline wall suction. The challenge of working with surgeons with a history of disliking an earlier version of a smoke evacuator pencil was compounded by a limited budget to implement change. A key component of developing a plan to implement change was to achieve surgeon buy-in. Gesman Wiseman identified strategies for implementing change in healthcare. In the article, experts described how physicians are essential to the change process, noting that presenting data can be an exceptionally powerful way to gain buy-in from the physician group. Another expert noted that the first step to dealing with resistance to change is to identify who supports the change and who will undermine the change. We use these strategies when attempting to gain buy-in from surgeons. We posted evidence-based references about the negative effects of surgical smoke on all of the information boards throughout surgical services. We removed all reading materials from the break room with the exception of materials outlining the dangers of surgical smoke to OR personnel. We left this reading material on the break room table for several weeks. Lunches and breaks became a forum for discussion among staff members about surgical smoke. Next, we contacted smoke evacuation product representatives from multiple companies to request samples of smoke evacuating products. We quickly received two filters for our waste management systems along with four versions of smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencils and one version of an apparatus to remove smoke during laparoscopic surgeries. At this point, we replaced the reference literature dispersed on the break room table with four sample smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencils. We encouraged everyone to handle all of the samples. Initially, we received mixed feedback. Verbal comments from the surgeons included the following. I already have all the disease and bad effects from surgical smoke. What good is it for me to change now? 
I don't have any problems with what I am using now. I have been doing it this way for a long time. It is not a big deal. I am not interested in smoke evacuation. I don't need anything different. I am okay with what I am using now. And I don't have time for it. Conversely, comments from nurses and surgical technologists were positive and inquisitive. Smoke evacuation trial. Most of the surgeons, all of the surgical technologists, and all of the RN circulators handled four smoke evacuating electrosurgical pencils. After a few days of handling, staff members evaluated the pencils off the sterile field based on how well it felt in the hand, the weight of the pencil, the drag, the flexibility, the tubing size and pliability, how well it adjusted to different sized electrosurgery tips, the length of the tubing, and how well it attached to the sample waste management smoke evacuation filter. Based on experience handling the pencils off the sterile field, staff members gave two of the four pencils the most positive evaluations. Therefore, we prepared to introduce those two pencils onto the sterile field. The plan was for the surgical technologist to present one pencil per procedure each day. One by one, each of the surgical technologists placed the new smoke evacuating pencils into the surgeon's hands. As with any new product, the hands-on experience off the sterile field served as valuable preparation for delivery to the sterile field. Overall, the surgical technologist did not receive pushback or major complaints about either pencil, and one of the pencils received positive comments. Based on visual inspection for smoke by the room staff members and surgeons, both of the two trialed electrosurgical pencils appeared to remove smoke equally. Ultimately, staff members determined that one pencil was preferable to the other based on the following characteristics. It was ergonomic in the surgeon's hand. It fit well. It was light and had unrestricted movement. The tubing was soft, pliable, and lengthy, and it did not tangle. Based on these observations and evaluations during practice, we selected this pencil to purchase and use. Staff Education After using the selected electrosurgical pencil, the waste management system filter, and the laparoscopic smoke evacuating device, there was no pushback from the surgeons, staff members, or managers. It was now part of the facility culture. In the early stages of implementation, we exhausted our free sample supply of smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencils. At that point, surgeons needed to use standard pencils for a few procedures until the new shipment of smoke-evacuating pencils arrived. The surgeons voiced disappointment that the smoke-evacuating pencils were not available for these procedures, which we viewed as success. Throughout the process of obtaining sample products, the entire staff received an in-service education session from representatives for each product about the smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencil, the installation and safe handling of the ULPA filter and tubing, and the laparoscopic smoke-evacuating device. After achieving success in implementing smoke-free ORs, we shifted our focus to obtaining the AORN Go Clear Gold Award a recognition program for ORs that have committed to creating a smoke-free environment. We requested information detailing the process to achieve the award. At this time, 
we have submitted our project to be considered for the award. We also drafted and implemented a smoke evacuation policy based on AORN smoke evacuation guidelines. The absence of regulatory mandates for smoke evacuation may have lessened the sense of urgency to implement smoke evacuation in the OR. However, the engagement among the RN circulators, surgical technologists, surgeons, and supportive managers was the key to successfully implementing smoke-free ORs at our facility. Financial Considerations There was an increased cost to becoming smoke-free. The cost difference between the standard electrosurgical pencil and the smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencil was substantial. The cost of the standard electrosurgical pencil was approximately $5. The price of a smoke-evacuating electrosurgical pencil was approximately $20. At our hospital, this amounts to approximately $22,000 in added annual expenses for the pencils. The cost of the ULPA filters was approximately $400 each, and they are good for approximately 30 hours of use. At our hospital, this amounts to approximately $2,400 in added annual expenses for the filters. The filtering system is only activated during actual use of the pencil. Filter life depends on the length of surgery and the cumulative time of pencil activation. When the filter has reached its capacity, the filtering system will not function properly until the filter is changed. The ability to use the electrosurgical pencil is unaffected. It is advisable to keep several filters in stock to ensure that smoke evacuation is continuous. The laparoscopic smoke evacuating device costs approximately $25 and comes with a one-time use disposable filter. The annual cost of this device for our facility is approximately $5,000. Conclusion Incorporating smoke evacuating devices into our ORs was a decision that involved managers, surgeons, nurses, and surgical technologists. It required a catalyst and a financial commitment from the facility. The premise that all smoke can be dangerous to breathe evoked a commitment to prioritize employee and patient health and well-being. In essence, becoming smoke-free required supporting this request with evidence and opening the doors of the ORs to emphasize the importance of smoke evacuation to decision-makers. In doing so, we achieved a firm commitment to create and support an environment of health and safety for all patients and perioperative team members. Although it is not mandated or regulated, our facility now subscribes to the belief that evacuating surgical smoke from the OR is an essential practice that all facilities should adopt. <laughs>